0: Good morning. Uh, We're in our second messes of our three-week Thanksgiving series as we... uh, Do you realize that Thanksgiving is going to be a week from this Thursday? It just dawned on me this morning, oh man, how'd that happen? Tammy goes, time goes by fast. And everything give thanks and you've heard the text already this morning. Perhaps it's not a coincidence that Thanksgiving and other harvest festivals around the world take place at the end of autumn. As the vibrant days of summer, well, maybe not here in Texas, are coming to an end, we'll be into a darker, soon-to-be-dormant season. Let's face it, it gets dark at 5 o'clock now, which really throws me off. I think it's nine o'clock, but it's only five. There is an author named Catherine McNeil. She's an editor and a speaker who searches for the creative, redemptive work of God in ordinary lives. She wrote this book, All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World, in 2019. She wrote, Spiritual value can be found in every season of life including the seasons of dormancy because in god's creation nothing is wasted fruits and vegetables may be harvested but they may be left on the rot on the vine or in the field they will fall back to the soil where they're recycled to help bring forth life again nothing is ever wasted or destroyed it's just transformed And she goes on to say, if this is the way God acts throughout creation, shouldn't we expect him to work in this way in our spirits as well? All our efforts, disappointments, victories and failures is never wasted in his kingdom. Because he is taking it all, shaping us and forming us. Because he is steadfastly working towards his own festival harvest. And this is why he exhorts us to rejoice in all circumstances, because he is always, always making things new. In our text this morning, there's three imperatives, all very gentle in in, uh, character. There they are, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. Now, an imperative is a command, but there's more to it. They're in the present tense. Why is that important? It's important because it's implicating for us this is something you just don't do and stop. This is a continual action so you never stop doing these things. You always are to be engaged in rejoicing and praying and giving thanks. These actions should characterize the Christian life. Each one has its source in God and or is directed to God. Now, if you look back in verses 12 to 15 in that same chapter, you'll see behaviors that are concerned about other people, how you conduct yourself towards other people. And in our text, we're talking about things that shape the inner life. And since the inner life, what we put into our heart, shape how we act, these two are not only supportive of each other, but they're linked together. That is not to say that these three things, rejoicing and praying and giving thanks, are not just personal things we should do. They should also characterize the assembling of believers, the church. When we come together and we assemble together, our worship should be categorized by rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. So there's no distinction between the internal or external. But you know, Jesus told us It's not what defiles the heart, what goes in the mouth, what comes out, because what's in your heart will come out eventually. When you get in life situations and life squeezes you, if I squeeze a tomato, what comes out? Tomato juice. If I squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. If I'm a believer in Christ and life squeezes me, what should come out? Fruits of the Spirit. That's what separates us from the rest of the world, the unbelievers. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm not telling you to put uh, live in a glass bubble and walk around smile all the time because life is hard. It's, it's very difficult. But it's knowing who we are in Christ that we can go through those situations. Let's turn our attention now to verse 16. Rejoice always, or be joyful always, or flip that around, always be joyful Joy is a characteristic, attribute, or trait of, the, of a healthy Christian life. Now, what I just said doesn't mean you walk around with a smile on your face all the time. If you do that, chances are they might arrest you and take you off for place with rubber balls. But our joy is not based on our circumstances. Rather, it's based on our identity, who we are in Christ, who we belong to. And it's a fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that works within us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So as Christians, if you claim to be the disciple of Christ, we should be producing the fruit of the Spirit. So my question to myself, as I prepare it for this morning, do I produce the fruit of the Spirit? Because let me tell you, the one I really grapple with, and I'm being transparent here, is self-control. Our society right now is so centered on self, it's not even funny. I had to go down to Hillsboro yesterday, and I had to watch my anger because as I was driving down 35... Pass fourth worth, the speed limit jumps up to 75. I was doing, yes, 80, maybe 85, and people were still passing me like there was no tomorrow. Cutting me off, and I felt myself getting mad. I'm going to a place, it was a funeral, and I said, Tim, you're not the right friend of mine. What are you doing? You're going to get there all mad. That's not the way to be. I had to really tell myself, calm down. It's going to be okay. Don't get so upset about five feet of pavement. It's not worth it. Now, I know none of you have that problem, to say it. But here's something I learned as a kid, joy, J-O-Y. If you want joy, it's Jesus first, that's the J. The O means others, and the Y means yourself. So you put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Because Christian joy is not self-centered. It rejoices in the good fortune or prosperity of other people. It rejoices when the others demonstrate obedience to the Lord, which we'll see that happen in just a few moments. Three people have come to me and said, I want to be baptized, I want to stand with Christ, He is my Lord and He's my Savior. If we cannot rejoice in that, there is something seriously, seriously wrong. Go ahead, you can clap. Clap. The presence of good Christian company, brothers and sisters in Christ, is a source of joy. As well as our future hope in the Lord is a source of joy. We're not going to be here all the time. This is not our home. We're just, as the old hymn says, passing through. One day all this is going to be gone. And we'll be in our true home, where our true citizenship is, and that's in heaven. Romans chapter 12, verses 15 through 18. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, and if possible, so far as depends upon you, be at peace with all men. That should be a general description as us as a local body of believers. That we walk beside each other. This has happened since I've been here. Going on seven years now. Many of you, I've come alongside of you, and we've laughed and we rejoiced for what we see God doing. There's many times one of our own has gone home to be with the Lord that we were sad and we weep together. Walking beside each other. That's why it's so important to be a part of the local body. It's to have those people that love you walk beside you in the most difficult times and the most triumphant times of your life. Because what binds us together, dearly beloved, is stronger than anything the world can ever offer. It's the precious blood of Christ that binds us together. The church must not let its problems create an atmosphere of gloom and pessimism, but rather an optimistic atmosphere of joy, thanks, and praise ought to characterize this assembly of believers. Doesn't mean we turn a deaf ear to things that hurt. But how many of you didn't feel like coming to church one day? I know many of you don't feel that way often. There was a lot of things going on in your life. You were tired, been a long week at work, maybe you had a fight with your spouse, whatever was going on, you didn't feel like coming, but after you came and you talked with some people and you prayed, did you walk out in a better frame of mind than when you walked in? There's something about being around God's people, hearing his word proclaimed, singing praises to him. I'll tell you what it is. It's the Holy Spirit that's working in you to remind us who we belong to, and where our final home really is. In the letter to Colossae, Paul writes these words in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word and deed, or deed, excuse me, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Speak to each other. Encourage one another. admonish one another. How we are to sing? How we're supposed to sing? With thankfulness. Because every last song that I know we're singing, the hymns and any of the contemporary stuff, will remind you of your salvation. Remind us what the most important thing is. And even in the midst of personal tribulations, Paul could find a cause for joy. He could rejoice in the spread of the gospel, even when it involved personal pain and self-sacrifice. He puts it this way in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice, yes, I will rejoice. So Paul's saying, I don't care what the motives are necessarily. As long as Christ is being proclaimed, the gospel is being preached, in this I will rejoice because the gospel is spreading. That is something that we should all rejoice in as believers. When the gospel goes forth and people respond, that's that's the reason to rejoice. We need to rejoice in that. Go to verse 17, pray without ceasing, constantly or continually, never stop. Now that Greek word translated pray is a general one, implies a worshipful approach to God. Now Paul did encourage the churches to make prayer a part of their spiritual, uh, personal, personal spiritual discipline, but also it should be a mark of the church. This is how we should pray. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Can I just stop there for a second? Have any of you ever felt anxious about anything? Maybe tonight, tomorrow? He tells us, don't be anxious. Listen to but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. But see, if you're like me, sometimes you get wrapped up in worrying about it and what you're going to do about it, that you skip the prayer part, and then when it messes up, God, where are you at? God says, you need to come to me first. Get my perspective, what you should do first, and let me handle it. And when we do that, the rest of that passage, and the peace of God, and he describes the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that he gives us passes our comprehension because this peace is not based on your circumstances. Your peace is based upon who God is and you're standing with God. In other words, grace. God's grace. God's amazing grace that he's extended out to everybody in the world. We see that in the form of Jesus Christ The word made flesh. He he laid his life down on the cross, paid our sin debt. And we get it not by coming to church, not by paying for it, not being good enough. It's a free gift that we can just step up and say, yes, God, I confess of my sins. I am a sinner. I break in your law. I repent from them. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. In that moment, you're justified. In that moment, you go to having peace with God, no longer an enemy of God. You're a child of God. You have peace with God. And that peace that passes all understanding, that brings comfort. And I rely on that so many times when I'm asked to officiate a funeral. What gets me through that? It's not easy. I'm telling you, it's not easy at all. But I remember about the grace of God that saved me, and now I have peace with God, and that comforts me. Prayer is a feature of public worship. We must both privately and in public assembly, the corporate worship, approach God with praise, intercessions, requests, and thanksgiving. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. Typically, after the message, we have a hymn of invitation. Now, an invitation, it's called that because now the invitation for you to respond to all the singing, proclaiming who God is, his word being proclaimed, now what's your response? That's why it's called an invitation. But the invitation is not limited to people coming for salvation, although I love to see that. It's also open to anybody who needs prayer, who needs to spend time with God. We, we call this an altar, not because we... Sacrifice animals up here is where we come down and we lay all ourselves down. And say, God, here I am. Everything that I have, everything I am, is yours. That's why we call an altar call. But it's not limited to people seeking salvation, it's open to anybody. You want to join the church or you need some special prayer. Can I just please hear me? Do not let that time slip away if you have anything on your heart that you need to pray about. Don't let that go away because you'll never be in a room, a sanctuary, with such understanding, loving people. No one will make fun of you. No one will laugh at you. In fact, like I just read, we'll come beside you. We'll rejoice with you. And we'll also weep with you if need be. We'll go with that with verse 18. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, all circumstances. And that's a translation of a phrase that could just as well mean at all times. So you have in all circumstances, at all times. Now, the difference in meaning is not great. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, and I'm going to use the Holman Christian Standard how they translate this one. Always giving thanks for all things, or as they translate it, giving thanks always for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Now, evil and injustice and cruelty exists in the world every day. Now, he's not instructing us to pray for those things or give thanks for those things, but in the midst of uh, sinful circumstances, we can give thanks in them, not for them, but in them. Because as times of suffering, we keep our eyes on God and remember that God is always with us, even in the darkness of day, and no matter what circumstances are happening, God has us, and nothing can snatch us out of his hands. Our hope remains. Yes, the news bothers me when I hear about what's going on around the world, but regardless of their circumstances, I belong to God. He purchased my salvation. I'm his son, little s. I'm a child of his. He's purchased that, and nothing can snatch me out of his hands. So regardless of the circumstances, I can give thanks to God. Because this, your salvation, who you are, is not based upon anything in this world. Do you remember Romans 8, 28? We know that God causes all things to work together for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. doesn't say all things are good. He says all things work together for good. So even your tribulations, your troubles and stresses, all that in life work together for good. Because let me tell you, when you get in those circumstances, where they may be, And you get before God, and you have some fellow brothers and sisters come alongside of you during those most trying times. Can I just say from personal experience, there are men in my life that I know I could call, and they'd be there, Johnny, on the spot. I could really mess up, drink and drive, and get thrown in jail. I could call them. they come get me. Now, you better believe, come morning time, they're asking me what's going on but I know they have my back. You cannot put a price tag on that. That's what being a Christian, a membership of a church is supposed to be like, that we have each other. We have each other's backs. We hear from one another. The last part of that verse, for this is God's will, he's reminding us that the commands that are given are not of human origin, but divine. God is telling these things. So those three imperatives. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Three imperatives or commands in the present tense, continuing action. Now see, sometimes as followers or disciples of Jesus, we believe that God's love will shield us from all the trials and tribulations of life. However, that teaching or doctrine is not found in the Bible. Jesus, however, does promise that not only will we face the same problems that everybody else does, but we're more likely to have more suffering because we are committed to living lives that sacrificially pursue love and justice for everyone, even the vulnerable and our enemies. You know what Jesus said? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now that can make extremely difficult to give thanks to God in all things. There was a professor in seminary, Dr. Moldovan from the Eastern Bloc, the old Soviet Union. He was teaching us in a class called Martyrdom and Missions. and We're learning about people being martyred for their faith, not only in the past, but even in the present day. You realize in the 20th century, there's more, more people been persecuted for their faith in the 20th century alone than any other centuries combined. But he came to class one day. It was a small class. It was elective, and we would pray before class. It was. Obvious he had been upset. His eyes were kind of red and puffy. And we said, Dr. Moldovan, what is wrong? Well, like I said, he grew up in the Soviet bloc. His dad was a pastor, and he'd build church buildings and start it up, and they'd come burn it down, the Communist Party, try to stomp it out. Then one day, the KGB took his dad away. He never saw his dad again. To this day, he believes his dad was killed, but he doesn't know where exactly all that happened. He hasn't ever found out the truth. Well, that day, some people came from where he was at. I believe it was Romania it was the country he was from. And he said, some of these people either had a direct or indirect effect on my dad being taken away from KGB. Because you see, dear beloved, in persecution, people either compromise their faith, deny their faith, or grow stronger in their faith. And he said, a lot of them were weeping, asking me to forgive them. I'll never forget the look on his face. He said, class, I don't know if I can do it. He was trying to give thanks in our circumstances. I had to remind myself in that moment, this is not a textbook I'm reading. This is a real-life person that I'm hearing this about. Can you really love your enemy? Can you really pray for those who persecute you? Can I just bring it closer to home? That means we pray for people on the other side of the political aisle. That we pray for our president regardless of what political party he's a part of. Because God's kingdom transcends all that. We have the Holy Spirit, our Paraclete, literally means come alongside of us. And he ministers us during times of pain and suffering. Giving thanks during suffering can help us keep our eyes on God as we travel with him through those dark valleys. Like I said earlier, this is not a way of plugging your ears and closing your eyes, refusing to acknowledge pain and brokenness. There is a story when Jesus raised Lazarus, and he delayed on purpose. Now, Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but when he gets there, they approach him when he's coming up to the village. And if you were here earlier, he wouldn't have died, and people are weeping in their mourning. We know what's that like because we've been there. In the midst of all that pain, he knows what he's going to do, but yet it tells us Jesus wept because he could feel the pain of the people. So I'm I'm telling you, it's okay to cry. Gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with crying when it hurts. But it's through your tears, as a believer, we can have hope. We should be like a small child in those times. We raise our hands to the Spirit in humility and honesty, asking for help. One of the shortest prayers, I constantly pray, God, help me. Father, help me. We talked about last week about starting a gratitude journal. And I want you, if you started that or if you haven't started it, to start it. But also consider a few items of thanks that come from difficult seasons. Or maybe going through a difficult time in your life right now. Things that you are grateful for in the midst of those times of trouble and distress. When have you, your family, or this church found strength to persevere through the gifts and comfort of the Spirit? Because recording and retelling those times can be very powerful in reminding you of who you are and what's really going on. See, the enemy wants you to distract you and look all around you, pulling you in every direction. And especially with our society today, I mean, news happens like this, constantly being thrown at you. And all these voices are going around us. I want to encourage you and exhort you. Listen to that small, still voice within you, the Holy Spirit, and calm your spirit down. Sometimes, it's best to turn off the TV, turn off any music, and just let it be quiet. And let God speak to you. Let God speak to you through that moment. But don't let the enemy distract you from the truth. And that leads me to this statement. If you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would invite you to do that right here and right now. As we stand and as we sing in just a moment. If you have made a commitment to Christ... But there's something between you and him and even now you can feel the conviction on your heart come up here I'll pray with you, you come up here pray by yourself maybe go across the aisle here to somebody and pray with them right now perhaps a name God's laying on your heart that you need to go pray you don't have to talk to him them, ask them what's going on just simply put your, your hand on them and pray for them because this can we just Stop beating around the bush. If we took a microphone around here this morning, all of us have things in our lives that are just weighing us down. What I'm encouraging you to do, don't put them down now and pick them back up when you leave. Put them down and leave them at the foot of the cross. and Let Christ deal with it. Or maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd love to have you here. And I'd like to remind all of you, this is not a perfect church it ceased to be a perfect church when so they called me as pastor because guess what? I'm not perfect. And know what? Neither of you were forgiven, washed in the blood of Christ. We're coming up to a day that we celebrate Thanksgiving. Really and truly every day should be a day of thanks. And may I take a step further. God allowed me to be born in a country Of unprecedented freedom, where I can stand here and proclaim his word by the sacrifice of so many before me. We have so much to be thankful for. You got up this morning, you got dressed, you came here, have a nice building, nice pew to sit in, have a car to drive, food to eat. Do you realize that almost 75% of the world doesn't even have that? Doesn't have drinking water? Indoor plumbing, food to eat. Even in this country, how many people go hungry? Oh, dearly beloved, we have so much to give thanks for. But if God is speaking to you right now, and I know his Holy Spirit is moving, then you respond as he moves you to do. Don't, don't let this moment slip you by. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your many blessings. Father you've been no it's not been you always are good to us you are as we sing about the good good father kids talked about how deep and how wide your love is Father as your spirit continue to move among us I pray that each one of us will respond in obedience to your call Father I know and Anytime people meet, there's people who are hurting for many different reasons, going through so much in their lives. And Father, I pray this will be a day to slay those burdens down at your feet. We love you, and we're so thankful for the greatest gift ever given, your Son, who is our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Lord who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's His name that we pray. Amen.